We're happy to have you here. And if you are newer with us, um, I'm Chrissy Thompson. I'm our Connections Director, and I would love to connect with you. So we have this blue uh, connection card in our seat pocket in front of you. If you would fill that out and drop it in the giving box on your way out, um, then I just am able to connect with you and get to know you a little bit better as well. So uh, thank you for doing that. So we at Faithbrook have a kind of slogan. It's to love God, love people, and to journey together. So I'm going to invite you for two ways to do that. Um, the first way is for our man camp. You guys get to journey together. Uh, there's going to be all kinds of stuff from, uh, I think, as manly as it can get. we got barbecue. We've got uh, pickleball. Uh, I know cookies are going to be served. We have uh pancake breakfast. There's some boxing that's going to happen. So it's definitely going to be something you don't want to miss out on. So uh, check that out. That'll be this Friday and Saturday, February 2nd and 3rd. So that's a way to journey together. Okay, you're with me. Then the second thing I'm inviting you to do is uh, to volunteer for our Feed My Starving Children. We're going to do a packing party on February 23rd and February 24th. Um, so check that out. We've done that in the past with our family. Um, and if you have kids, if they're older than five, they can join actually in the packing. Um, they just have to have an adult with them. And it's an amazing opportunity to just kind of love others, right? Um, and just serve in that way. And we ended up getting a lot more out of it than we thought we would by going. So I encourage you to check that out. And in a minute, we're going to have a little video to show you about what it is, what it looks like if you haven't done it before, and why we uh, make that such a priority here too. So um, two things, okay? Man camp, journey together. The second thing is to love others and sign up for Feed My Starving Children. Um, you can sign up for both of those things and get more information on our Church Center app, or you can go to our online uh, website as well. Well, after this short video, we're going to welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue our series, God Strong. Have you ever been sitting at your home or walking around your home, and all of a sudden, the power goes off, and you're in darkness? Do you know how scary that is sometimes? And you're scrambling around. You're not sure what, what you're fumbling over. Your kids are crying. There's like a panic. And you're just like desperate for any kind of light. Where do we put that flashlight? Where, where's the candle? Maybe the matches. And oh, what a good feeling when you find that flashlight and you flip on the light. Oh, yes. We can see things. We're going to be okay. This light is going to give us some strength and some comfort. And uh, everyone gather around until the light comes on. It's so precious. But what if you couldn't find your flashlight? What, what if uh, you couldn't find a candle and you're still stranded in darkness? And what are you going to do? There, there's no power. There's no light. And out of the corner of your eye, you see a light out in your driveway. What's going on? And, and you notice it's, it's your, your neighbor. They're coming towards you. And they're bringing a light. And they knock on your door. Hey, I, I noticed that you didn't have a light. We wanted to bring you our flashlight. Man, what would you think about those people? Would that just warm your heart? How valuable that would be and how they were considerate and thinking of you and bringing something valuable for a light. A person of light. Well, my friends, that's kind of where we're going today as we continue in our series, God Strong. So here at Faithbrook, uh, we want to welcome you. Uh, we are pursuing to reach our full potential in Christ Jesus. And if you're uh, with us this morning online or you're visiting me first or second time, uh, welcome. It's going to be a great winter. 
Uh, what's been on our heart is that a lot of times Christians or those who are Christ followers, we're not always living God strong. Uh, it's really not a high priority to reach our full potential in Christ Jesus. There's always something that's uh, taking our attention or something going on. And so we're like, hey, where can we go to really learn about being strong in our faith, not being hypocritical, not being wishy-washy if we claim to be Christ followers? And the book we picked was the letter of uh, the Ephesian letter from Paul. Uh, they seem, these Christians, young Christians in Ephesus, seem to be in the same place that we kind of are in our, in our society. Their, their society was really uh, secular, sophisticated. Many people were not following Christ. And so we have these kind of young Christians that Paul is now writing from Rome to be strong in their faith, to be authentic, to be real on who they are. And so we were just taking a deep dive for these two months just chapter by chapter, verse by verse, into this letter of Ephesians. A couple of weeks ago, we began with learning about the first and second chapters. Paul's writing to these Christ followers that they would lean into their, their position, their purpose, and especially their identity in Christ Jesus. That they were chosen, they were predestined, Christ died for them. They are now children of God. Embrace that, lean into that, and be all you can be in Christ Jesus. Now, third chapter, he brought in this, this component of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, and God's immeasurably love for them. And he prays for them. He's on his, his knees praying that they would grasp just how wide and long and deep is the love of God. And that there is a supernatural power that can live within us through the Holy Spirit. And we can do immeasurably more than what we could ever ask or imagine according to that, that Greek word dunamis, that Holy Spirit power living within us. We discovered that theologically, when we repent of our sins, when we ask Jesus Christ to start new in us, uh, the Holy Spirit takes a spot in our life, in our soul. And the whole time, the Holy Spirit is, has an agenda to cons consume us fully, entirely. But he's gentle about it. And a lot of times, we don't let him take full control. And we find ourselves kind of wishy-washy, kind of weak in our strength. And a lot of times, our friends and, and maybe community see the difference. That, yeah, they, they kind of are churchy people. They're kind of Christian kind of people. But I heard them do this, and they're all about that. And I, I don't know. And so a lot of times, the world is like, you Christians, you're not very strong. You're not very attractive because you, it's not a priority and you're not leaning into your faith. And we learned that the world does not need perfect Christians necessarily, but they need authentic Christ followers. Authentic, fully devoted, giving their heart into their faith and what they believe in, in their religion, if you will. Now, Paul is writing. He's encouraging them. He's always kind of uh, using contrasts between good and evil. In chapter 4 and chapter 5, he really gets into the weeds about particular behaviors. Uh, last week, we talked about what do we do with anger? What do we do with our words? Okay, is it proper to steal? What about compassion and forgiveness? And he's like, hey, you were formerly darkened in your mind. You were form formerly one of those Gentile people. In the, you were just like everyone else in the culture, but you chose to throw that off and put on the new self, the new self of Christ in your life. He's always kind of comparison and going back and forth. Now, 
he slips into chapter 5, right seamlessly from 4 to 5, and it's kind of going to the same area. But here he's going to be uh, con- contrasting love and life, love and light versus self and flesh. Love and the light versus the self and the flesh. So he gets right into it. Chapter 5. Now I just want to give you a little disclosure here. This chapter 5 is very demanding. Um, it gets really dicey here and uh, really uh, challenging um, as he starts really particular pointing some things out. So I just want you to know, buckle up. Uh, here we go. He says, follow God's example. Verse 1, chapter 5. Therefore, as dearly loved children. Now, Paul's always going to steer him back to their identity. He's always going to steer them back to their, their purpose and their position in Christ Jesus because a lot of times this is where we're weak, right? We're not sure about our self-esteem. We're not sure about I, our identity. And before we know, we're compromising and we're getting squirrely and stuff like this. He said, no, remember who you are, that you're dearly loved children. He created you. He chose you. He predestined you. He died for you. He justified you. One day he's going to glorify you. Don't give that up. Your dearly loved children walk strong. Then he says, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The, the term walk in the way is the same thing as a lifestyle. Have the lifestyle of love. This is what he's challenging them to do. Walk as Christ who modeled for us. Now, for a Christian, love should be a pillar of our faith. Uh, love. Uh, the Bible tells us God is love. Christ demonstrated love. Love is everywhere. When Jesus was uh, discipling his followers, he would talk about love one another for they will know you by your love. They're going to know you by your love, not so much of your religion and your rituals and things like that. It's going to be about your organic, true love. When Jesus was pressed about, hey, we got a lot of expectations. We got these uh, traditions, rituals. Which one are the greatest? These laws. He says, really boils down to love. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second one is love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's all about this love. This love styles what he's calling them to do, to, to, be, to be set apart from their culture and their people to be people of love. And eventually we're going to learn about light. And sometimes that lifestyle of love calls for us to sacrifice. We see in the scriptures that Jesus modeled this. He gave himself up as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. See, true Christ-style love sometimes calls for sacrifice. Our time, our treasures, our talents, to give those who are in need. And, and the, the reverse of that is, is the self. It's the, it's the flesh. Now, the, the, the self is, is uh, very demanding. Um, we were born with a kind of a selfish nature. It's kind of inbred with this. We have the ability to do good, but we kind of default to, I want to take care of myself. The flesh wants a lot of things. It has a lot of appetites, sexually, um, physically, food, entertainment. We like the flesh. We like ourself. And so there's this battle. There's this tension between the way of love, God's way, and the way of our self. 
Uh, a lot of times self looks like, hey, I just want to make sure that it's me, my family, and I are doing well. Everyone else, good luck. Um, you know, if, if you don't agree with me and my family, then you can just kind of go away. If you hurt me or my family, I'm going to hurt you back. Uh, and you know what? In my life, I, I can hook up with anybody I want. I can rationalize maybe stealing or um, manipulating. And I can redefine morality in my own standards because it really boils down to I'm the boss of my life. I'm going to make up my own rules, my own morality, and see things my view versus God's way. I, I am God. This is the tension that we see in our life. Paul understood that these early Christians, they were vulnerable. I'm vulnerable, you're vulnerable to the self and the flesh taking over our life and, and steering us away from God's best in our life, steering us away from living strong in him. Now, he's, he, he says, now follow Christ's example. Uh, God's example is going to be, uh, as he models this lifestyle of love, this lifestyle of the light. And a life dedicated to self is not a lifestyle of love. They contradict Pretty soon they're going to be in competition on who's going to rule in their life. And if we're just kind of going along, then the self is going to get prominence in our life versus God and the lifestyle of love. And a lot of times there are behaviors, attitudes, practices in our life that are contrary or not compatible to this lifestyle of love. And this is where Paul's going to speak to. This is where it gets a little... Um, um, challenging. <clears throat> Verse three, he gets really specific. He says, among you, there should not, must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or immorality and any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Improper for God's holy people. Now he's referencing our purpose or their purpose. Our purpose is not about us. Our purpose is not how can I make myself famous? How can I just get uh, fat and rich and have all kinds of pleasure? Its purpose is not about this. It's about God. And when we open our eyes up to that and say, oh, life starts making sense. It's about God. And from the very beginning in the scriptures and first and second, he talks about this purpose of living like God, to live holy. He throws in to do some good works. That's the way we were created, to come together and help redeem this broken world, be Christ's ambassadors, uh, be holy in our lifestyle, to reflect who Christ is, and be the person of light out there. The people see the difference. And it's improper to do these other things. And he, he lists off some things. For instance, greed. Greed is, is not for us, right? It's in 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 competition with God's best for our life because greed has to do with the self. Greed is I want more, I need more. Before we know it, we're comparing ourselves with others and before we know it, it's like, no, my identity is, is comparing myself with others and so I better have this and I better buy that and I better keep up with everybody else because we are losing. No, we're okay. We've been redeemed, we've been chosen. My value my joy, my worth is not if I look like everyone else, behaving like everyone else. It's in Christ Jesus, and I can live free. I can live whole. So don't be greedy. Now, he gets a little uh, prickly here. He says, even a hint of sexual immorality. Now, when you see that term sexual immorality, if you go to the original words, it's like any 
kind of sex outside of, of sex inside a, a, a holy marriage of, between a man and a woman. Everything else is off bounds. Now, this is overwhelming for people uh, because we live in the same culture as these new Christians back in Ephesus where, where sexuality was super prominent. I mean, Ephesus was kind of known as like sex city. They, they were the home of the great, great Greek goddess Diana who promoted all this. And so he's calling them to do what? To stay away from that? Because Paul knows that lust is a huge competition to God. Lust comes back to that, that flesh that we all have. And, and we lust after things, especially in the, in the sexual realm. There's a lot of curiosity. It's so enticing and so alluring. Before we know it, it starts polluting our heart. It starts deceiving us. Things get darker. Before you know it, it, it cheapens this, this gift that God has had for man and woman in a committed um, a relationship of matrimony that it's a gift to each other. It's something they can express. And before we know it, it's like, well, I want to use that wherever I want to go, outside of marriage. It's so wonderful, so attractive. And before we know it, we live in a culture that's just kind of distorted sexuality, this gift that God has given to us. It's so cheap in it. It's so casual and it's everywhere and pervasive in our life. But lust is so um, addictive, uh, I can't tell you how many men and, uh, that, that experiment with pornography and now it's just, it's part of their life and it's just maybe wrecking their relationship with their, their spouse. It's shameful. It even can lead into physical effects when we experience sexuality outside of this committed. One man, one woman living together. I promise you for your eyes only. This is for us only. This is the vision. This is the hallmark that God has for human sexuality. And Paul says, man, don't even go there. In fact, he uses the, the word hint of immoral, immorality. A hint? Are you kidding me? Why is it so high up there? Why, why does he put it that way? Maybe he understood and remembered the words of, of Christ. When Christ talked about how, how sex should be inside a man and a woman, and when Jesus was pressed, they said, hey, people are getting divorced. You know, things shouldn't work out. Is it okay to be divorced? And we can have another person and another person. And when Jesus was pressed, he says, no, divorce was only given to Moses because the hearts got so hardened. And Jesus started sharing about the level, the holiness of human sexuality. And he talked about what God has brought together in a holy matrimony. Let nothing tear it apart. That's what is so precious in God's eyes. Save sexuality for this holy relationship under God that you can have for the rest of your life that's not stained, that's not marred, that you can uh, experience together in a, in a beautiful way. He continued on. He said, you know, if you even look at a woman in a lustful way, you're committing adultery. I, I, really? Are you, are, are you kidding me? I mean, that's a high crime, right? Yeah, because he wanted to have us to live holy. He wanted us to live properly, that we have a good um, perspective and behavior when it comes to holy um, human sexuality. And down the road, God's hoping that people will see the difference when it comes to our views, that we are separated, that we are people of the light, and we're not going to compromise. And there's someone that will hold himself into a higher standard. Now, Paul didn't stop at human sexuality. He continued in this, this 
chapter. He gets more specific in our language. Now, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. This word obscenity, it's foul language, basically, right? Choice words, harsh words, right? Provocative words, foolish talk, coarse joking. Hey, it's locker room talk, right? He's yucking it up. Before we know it, we're saying off-colored remarks. Uh, There's some dirtiness to it, right? He says there's no place for that. Eugene Peterson, in his commentary, he said, this is not our style. This is not the style of Christ followers. This is not the style of love. And we're like just taking the privilege to say, man, I got a, I got a joke for you, right? Or, you know, some, something happened to me and I just want to just give it or give this gesture. That's not our style. A lot of times we, the flesh, wants the pleasure to say what we want out of our mouth. If we want to curse someone out, we wouldn't be able to do that. If we want to use some obscenities, we want to do that. But Christ calls us to live in a different way, a higher way. The way of love, that we, we sacrifice those feelings sometimes. We, we say, no, we're not going to say that. We're, we're going to maybe choose a milder world, right? We're, we're not going to give that finger because we're going to live in the way of love. And, and by the way, he says, but rather thanksgiving. It's the person at the office when everyone is, is down on the boss and they're just cutting people and maybe gossiping people. It's the person that says, I'm not going there. I'm not going to get into that old drama and just uh, being negative. They don't pay us enough and, and they're idiots and stuff. We're going to just try to stay neutral or see what's positive and be thankful. Can, could that be refreshing? Sometimes Christians can be the most negative a critical, opinionated, judgmental people, and the people in our community, people in our social studies, they kind of see that. But what if we always chose to see the best? What if we always chose in our home and with our spouse and our families to see the, the best and give thanks to that? Would that change things? Now, Paul wanted to make sure that they knew the seriousness of where he was going. It gets even tougher here, folks. <laughs> For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, uh, of Christ and of God. Now, this seems extremely harsh, right? This is so radical. Really? So you're saying that if I cross the line in morality or sexually or uh, impure or greedy, I, I have no inheritance? Uh, is he talking about eternity here? The kingdom of God? What's going on here? Yeah, because he says these people are idolaters. Idolatry is putting anything in front of God. That these aspirations, hobbies, interests, they're more important than God. And we, a lot of times, don't only see it as an idol. We don't preach about idols, idolatry, Right? But God sees a lot of immorality and impurities and greed as putting those in front of him. And this is a serious situation. I, I think a lot of times we, we overestimate our goodness and underestimate our sin. And before we know it, people see that. We're inconsistent. We're all for God on Sundays. But in other times, hey, we, we want to play around with this. We want to rationalize. We want to compromise. 
right? And God is not going to put up with that. He continues on with a warning. But let no one deceive you with empty words. I mean, it's very tempting for preachers to deceive because we're not willing to preach this. This is too radical. It's too hard. And so we just kind of fluff things up. Everything's going to be okay. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. He's like, man, don't hang out with those people. God's wrath is coming. Now, this is hard to accept. God's wrath? What does that mean? It means that God is not going to take idolatry and sin lightly. Because he is a holy God. Well, I thought you said he was a gracious God. I thought you said he was a God of mercy and a God of love. Yes, he absolutely is, praise God. But he also is a God of judgment and justice. I, I, I would say, man, God is like a coin. If you, you got a coin out, there's two sides. It's the same coin. One side's the head and the tail. Same with God. God has a side of love, graciousness, mercy, love, absolutely. At the same time, there, there's a side of holiness and love and justice. This is God. Now, my friends, we live in a period of love and grace right now. Peter tried to explain to this. He says, God is patient with each one of us, not wanting any of us to perish or fall into God's wrath, but each one of us to repent, to say, man, I've wronged God. I'm, I'm sorry. And, and to receive that forgiveness. Because right now we're in a period of grace. We're in a period of, of, of mercy that God has forgiven us. But one day he's going to judge this world, the Bible says. One day we're going to face a holy God. He's going to ask us, what do we do with the light? What do we do with the love? What do we do with the truth? Did we just throw it away? Did we say, I, I want to live on my own life? I want to be God? And then there's going to be a judgment. Now, we, we, we struggle with this. Um, maybe this analogy will help you. Let's say that you're a father and, and uh, uh, God gave you a precious little girl. You love that precious little girl. And she, she grew up and she became a young lady and she tried to uh, benefit herself and, and beautify herself. And, and she would like to date. She would like to find a, a young man. And here comes this young man knocking on the door and he wants to court your daughter. You love this daughter. You've raised her. You've invested her. You want the best for her. And he says, well, uh, sir, I'm going to take care of her. We're going to go out. And so you, he takes her out on a date. Things pretty good. Behind the scenes, he's sweet talking her and he's building her trust, you know, because this young man it's not living by the lifestyle love. This young man is living by himself, by his flesh. And he has desires. And pretty soon, he manipulates some things. And pretty soon, he crosses some lines. The daughter comes home, and he knows that this daughter's been damaged. This daughter has, is now wrestling with shame. And he took advantage of her. Can I ask you, if you were the father, would you be enraged of this? Or would you just sit back and say, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm oh man, I'm sure that guy didn't mean it and everything's gonna be okay. You'd probably wanna come flying out of that house and find that guy, drag him down. Why? Because you hated the kid? Because you were a person of, of, of rage and punishment? Not at all. Because you were a father of love. Our father is a father in love. And when we damage what he loves, he gets upset. And his holiness can't look back when we damage each other and say, well, I... I I don't know, cursed someone, stole from someone, had an affair on someone, betrayed someone. God's not going to say, oh, that's okay. I understand. I'm just a grace of mercy. 
No, he's going to be like a father that says, no, there's got to be some consequences to that. And if he is holy, if he is the creator, if he, he's omnipotent, and then we can slander his name, we can just say, well, uh, with you, God, I'm going to do my own thing. And then at the end of the day, he's like, well, I know life was tough. You tried to be a good person, so it's no, no big deal. No, I think his holiness is going to say, it is a big deal. I am God. And you're not willing to live, and you are disobedient. So all of a sudden, we are receiving his, his wrath. This is what Paul's talking about here. However, the good news is, and I can't fully explain it, that holy God who's divine and all-powerful and all-knowing, he's willing to forgive us. In fact, he was so crazy and radical, he's willing to give a son to die on the cross. Or if anyone would believe, if anyone would say, man, I need a Christ, he's willing to receive us. He's willing to forget our sins. He's willing to, to wash them away completely if we confess. That's amazing love. This is the God. This is the God of love that we need to follow. So Paul says, and continued in chapter five, for you were once darkness. You were walking around just like everyone else. You had no idea. You're just doing, what are you doing this weekend? What are you doing? This is the way the culture does. This is what our flesh wants to do. It's about me, right? And all of a sudden, someone came and shared the light with you that there can be a new way, a different way. And if we... Receive that light and say, God, I'm sorry. I want you to live in my life. All of a sudden, we live as children of the light. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. This is so exciting to me. All of a sudden, we find a purpose. Doesn't mean we become preachers and missionaries, all that kind of stuff. We just realize that whatever environment we're in, whatever challenge we're in, God's counting on us to be children of light to live in the lifestyle of love. Because a lot of times darkness deceives us. Darkness gets us back to our flesh, gets it back to our carnality and, and the, the self. But the light realizes, hey, we're here to bless things. We're here to, to help people see what, what we've seen in a gentle, kind, truthful way. We remember when Jesus said that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness anymore, but they will walk in the light because I am the light of life. Can you imagine living the light of love and people realizing, hey, you're a little bit different? What does that look like in every day? Uh, the other day, Terry says, um, hey, um, would you like to watch this movie? We got this streaming thing, whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, it's, that's a cool movie. It's a historical movie. I kind of like history. And then I said, yeah, I, I'd rather not. And she's like, why? I, I, I said, well, I, I looked at that one time. I saw the reviews. And there were things that are out of line and for my convictions and my way of love. And she's like, well, what? Are, I haven't reviewed it. And I said, yeah. Uh, there's some nudity in there, and I know they're going to be throwing down on my Jesus right and saying his name, and i just rather not do that. She's like, I don't, I don't want to do that either, right? Now, you look at us and look at me and say, that's absolutely crazy. You guys are freaks, right? And you know how fun that movie would be. You know how, how entertaining that would be, right? But see, I have to grapple with what's my priority. Is it my entertainment, my laugh, my flesh, or my love? Who's going to be boss of my life? And I made a pledge. This doesn't have to be with being ordained. This has to be being a committed Christian that my neighbor and my friends and my family say, that dude's for real. He's authentic. And it's all about love. And see, to love my wife, I don't need to be looking at other ladies that are nude, 
right? In their bodies. She don't need to be thinking, what is he thinking, right? No, it's not going to happen. So I'm not going to go there. It's about loving my God, loving with all my heart, soul, and mind, my mind. So what I choose to do and I don't choose, it's all about God. And that might restrict some of my entertainment. That might restrict some of my lifestyle. And people said, you're boring, you're straight. I say, well, I'm going to make the best of it with the joy in my heart because I got no shame. I don't have to be regretting. I don't have to, my wife doesn't have to worry about what's happening in Jim's mind because my mind's not going to be hanging out in those impure ways. It's about love. It's about loving myself. At the end of the day, I could be okay with God. I'm going to live holy. I'm going to live free. I'm going to live uh, full in Christ Jesus. Because I choose to live in the light. And I choose to embrace the light. And the lifestyle of love brings the light of Christ. See, you might not think you're super smart. You might not think, hey, I'll never be a preacher. But God says you kind of are the preacher. If the light is living within you, what you're doing on the court, what you're doing at school, what you're doing in the social settings around your families, like your, your work, your retirement, you're walking around with this light if you choose and that light has a lot to do with the lifestyle of love, and you're carrying it. And part carrying that light, you bring these qualities, according to verse 9. The fruit of the light. The fruit of the light consists of these three things, goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Goodness. Goodness has to do with wholesomeness. Goodness has to do with, with positivity. And, and caring and, and loving. Righteousness has to do with being right with God, that I'm, I'm a child of God. I've been forgiven. I'm claiming that. I'm, I'm going to lean into my identity in Christ, and I'm going to live his way and, and live like Christ. How can I help you? How can I pray for you? Do you need anything? This is righteousness and truth. And truth. It's not my truth. It's not your truth. It's not her truth. It's God's truth. And it comes with some boundaries. So a lot of times we have so much confusion and darkness in our society right now, a lot of confusion, because the, the lines of morality are blurred everywhere. But what was right is now wrong, and what was wrong is now right, and people, ah, and, and what's your opinion, what's your opinion? But God says, you don't have to go there, you can go to my truth. And my truth will tell you what the standards are and give you some hope, because a lot of times society is walking in the dark, and there's dysfunction, and there's damage, and there's heartbreak, because we have thrown away God's amazing truth. He says, man, you're people of light. Lean into that light. Find out what pleases the Lord. How do we find out what pleases the Lord? We go to his word. That means a lot of times for my life, I'm, I'm going to take some Bible study every day, best I can. I get scripture of the day. Try to maybe read a chapter a day. And I'm thinking, now what does God want to teach me? He's like, hey, Jim, sometimes your, your attitude, sometimes you're not Mr. Positive. Uh, sometimes you, you got some roughness in the way you view things. And before you know it, that light is changing me and transforming me. Find out what pleases the Lord. Yes, it's true that a lot of times the church has been known for what we're against. You know, those people are really strict. But at the same time, Paul's like, man, what are we for? And what are we for is goodness. What are we for is righteousness. What are we for is some moral truth. So he says in the next verses, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Could it be that a lot of times Christians, Christ followers are sleepy? It's their, their, their religion or their faith is not very prominent in their life. 
uh, they've just been asleep at the wheel and they're not sure who they are and, and it's not very important. He says, wake up, wake up. And here's the promise of God. Christ will shine on you because Christ is desperate, not for perfect Christians, but for authentic Christians who are willing to live the life. And that's a price that we have to pay sometimes. We're willing to do this. And the promise is his light will shine on you. You go to 2 Chronicles. I love this. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, searching for those hearts who are fully committed, those who are authentic, fully devoted for him. That's who God wants to help. That's who God says, man, I know you need strength because everyone else is living this way and everybody has this philosophy and this perspective, but you're trying to live uh, the light, the child of the light. I want to strengthen you, encourage you. Now, this is going to take some focus. In the next verse, he says, be very careful how you live, not as the unwise. In other words, don't live stupid, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, chapter four He said, don't give the devil a foothold. My friends, I love you. I believe that the devil's looking for footholds in our life. And if we don't live intentional, if we don't live wise, if we don't live careful, man, the appetites of the flesh, the appetites of the self will get a foothold and pollute and will never lean into our full potential of Christ Jesus. So we have to learn to live a lifestyle of love We have to be very intentional on how we live. How we live. What do we do with our time? What do we do with our mind? What are we watching? What are we reading? Um, For us, you know, I want to get around people that are intentional trying to live through the light. Uh, Terry and I make the point that we're going to be part of a life group. We're going to be studying a part of God's words and encourage each other and to laugh and learn and love one another. We're going to make sure that, you know, I need to go to church. I don't feel like going to church, but I need to go to church because it encourages me. That guy up there is trying to tell me the truth, right? He's trying to encourage me. And that's going to help me to live careful and look at opportunities, how I can love people, to share the light and the love. Finally, he says in verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Debauchery is a dead end. It's just excessive, excessive um, indulgence, right? Before we know, we're sloppy. There's regrets. There's addictions. Don't go there, okay? Do not get drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Now, he picks on wine, which has alcohol in it, but we can fill our life with a lot of other things besides just alcohol or, or wine, right? Uh, it could be, you know, work and achievements. It could be fun and, uh, you know, all kinds of excitement in our life. It could be illicit relationships. And, and we don't let God entirely fill our life with his, his spirit. And there's in competition. He says, yes, the, the, there's, this, there's these other opportunities to fill your life. What's filling your life? What's the most important in your life? We notice that he picks on wine. Wine has the alcohol in it that, that before you know it, you get hold of that and it can influence you. Amen, right? It, can, it has that power like no other substance. You start drinking that stuff pretty soon, you're feeling like a different person. You're feeling pretty cocky, frisky, right? Powerful, courageous, or it can turn you into a monster, right? Next thing you know, you're, you're angry, you're crossing lines, You're getting out of control because it can influence us. But Paul says, man, I give you something better. 
I'll give you to be filled with God's spirit. Remember chapter three, he says, this power that living within you can help you do more than what you can ever imagine. And what God is calling us to do, the people of light and the people of love, it's gonna take more than just the flesh. It's gonna take more than just the willpower. It's gonna take more than even the cross. It's gonna take the spirit of the Holy Spirit to fill us completely, to live that level and to not give in to those temptations that's all around us in our culture. And yes, it will take a determination to live, to live a lifestyle of love and be very intentional on how we live, how we see things, turning on the light of God in our hearts and into each other. So can I give you a, a question as we about to leave here? The, the question would be, what does a lifestyle love require of me? <clears throat> If you choose to be a person of light and love, then what does it require you this week? Maybe even today. You're going to get in a situation that um, there might be some illicit things. There might be some language. There might be some imitations. But God's going to ask you to stand strong and not, not go down that way. Why? Because you shouldn't do it because your preacher tells you not to. No, it's because you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to be a person of love. It's not about restrictions. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with God that I want to honor God, love. Uh, there might be a, a need coming around. Um, that Someone in your office, someone at your school um, is hurting. They're suffering. And all of a sudden, they need something. You got to ask yourself, what does love require me to do? Does it mean sacrifice? with my time, my money, maybe it's with my mouth. I need to sit down with someone and just listen to them. What does it require of me? Maybe at home, my, my kids are driving me crazy, right? I got pressure and I just want to explode. I want to do some things, but what does the lifestyle love require me at this time? To lean into the Holy Spirit, stand down, stand calm. What if you're upset with your spouse? And by the way, next week we're going to be talking about his, his sharing of teachings on a man and wife relationship. What does that require with your spouse? Sometimes the lifestyle of love is to forgive. It's to try to understand their point of view instead of just pushing yours. What does the lifestyle of love require of me? Why don't we stand and I'll close this out as we take this question with us this week. Let's stand together. Well, uh, Jesus, I think our world needs people that would be willing to lean into and live that lifestyle love. I know there's a lot of uh, darkness out there, confusion, a lot of division and hate and immorality. And God, would you give us the power to live in that love, not be walking around with a spotlight, pointing out everyone's sin or immorality, but a a bright light of, of warmth, of love, of truth, um, as we choose to live into this light because you are the light of the world. Help us, God, to ask that question this week. What are you requiring me? What are you, this lifestyle love, right at this moment when my flesh wants to react or go down this path? Help us to live blameless. Help us to live holy and, and authentic in you. We need you. We ask you to fill us entirely with your Holy Spirit to empower us. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for watching today. Thank you for participating. If I haven't met you yet, I'd love to meet you. I'll be wandering around in the lobby. God bless. You're dismissed.